With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blanket double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to another episode of the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Brandon and as always I'm joined by Josh on the other line. Josh, I have a quick question for you. First, what is that, hel- Brandon? Say hello oh. first. <laughs> hello. <laughs> okay, so my question is, um, who are you going to bring into your uh, FPL squad in Game Week 21? Who from Exeter, Oxford, or Shrewsbury? Oh, I'm all in on the shrews. Now, the sad thing is, you know, Corinthian casuals went out in the last round. And um, I, 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 I would ideally, and you can only pick three players in the fantasy league, but I would, I would try to find a way to get all Corinthian casuals. <laughs> As you can tell, we have, uh, we have full-blown FA Cup fever here at Always Cheating. <laughs> the big news in Always Cheating land is actually that we're official season ticket holders for NYCFC. I am very excited about this. Now, we have been kind of half I, – I won't say joking. I mean because we, we bring up Poku way more often than we should. I mean it's, it's kind of neck and neck between who we reference more on the, on the podcast and on Twitter and elsewhere between Dea Mercy, Mabakani, and Poku. Yeah, exactly. And Quadro I, Poku, Ghanaian footballer who plays midfield for New York City FC. What a guy. We saw Poku play this summer, and I, I have to say, it was, it was my first match at NYCFC. We were there in, in July, and, um, you know, we, I, I have to, we kind of went, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're big, you know, we're, the Premier League is our league. You know, we thought, well, this, this will be fun. You know, you know Lampard's there, and uh, Andrea Perlo's there. Let's go watch these greats, you know, and I don't really care about NYCFC that much. But then, this guy comes along, Poku, 
steals our hearts. <laughs> should have scored we, like should have scored like eight goals in the game. Scored one at yeah. the end. <laughs> so um, we had we this amazing fever. We had this amazing ticket agent on the phone who was helping us buy the season ticket package. So shouts to NYCFC for their uh, excellent customer service. So this guy on the phone, he's like, "So you know, you have any you have any favorite players on the team?" And I was like, "Definitely Poku. Could you arrange <laughs> for me to meet Poku?" And he didn't really answer my question there. He sort of laughed it off and and moved on. So I'm still not sure if we're going to have a chance. To meet Poku or not, but we're going to try. Wow. We're going to try yeah, very ho- hard. Hopefully, we'll meet Poku. If we get some Poku picks, we'll share them. Poku uh, picks. <laughs> do you think we could convince Poku to come on the podcast every week and do Poku Pick Corner? He, he should just be the third guy. I think it should be me, you, and Poku <laughs> that does this Fantasy Premier League podcast every week. Uh, so, I'm pretty excited about that. So, if you are, um, we're in section 233B. Um, row 10. So come, come find us, uh, in March when the season starts, we'll, we'll have our, um, we'll have our brand new scarves and I'm kind of all in on NYCFC. It does not mean I'm all in on Manchester city. Oh God. That, no. Yeah. That is not, they, they, they do not go hand in hand for me. Uh, <laughs> perhaps they're us. They have the same colors. What about city groups, Australian team, Melbourne city. Oh, very much into that club. The, the, I, I feel like it's a twofer, you know, you, you NYCFC and Melbourne city. Uh, but Man City, no, I can't do it. Um, all right. So in the last episode of the podcast, we covered all of the goings on during the festive period. And now we're here to just exclusively optimize our FPL teams, not for one game week, but uh, we have two game weeks that are going to come up fast and furious, 21 and 22. So how are we going to do this, Josh? How are we going to tackle it? All right. So we're going to we're just going to take them one game week at a time, but we are going to do them sort of back to back. 20 fixtures total. Uh, games are game week 21 is uh, these matches are Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Game week 22 is um, Saturday, Sunday. There's actually a match on Monday, too. Um, there is a uh, Swansea Watford match on Monday. OK, real quick before which we is Martin Luther King Day in America. So we'll have, I'll have that day off. Me, too. God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, f- fantastic. Swansea Watford. <laughs> um, uh, real quick before we get started, though, let's let's remind everybody where we are with our own fantasy teams. Uh, we talked about uh, wild cards in our last episode and about how we're shying away from playing our January wild cards now because I mean this is the first time we've played the game where we actually have the entire second half of the season to hold on to that wild card. So, right, they're not even January wild cards. They're just second half wild cards. Right, right. But uh, so I'm sitting on one free transfer, which I haven't made yet. I think you're in the same boat, Josh. We were just waiting to see how all these FA Cup matches shook out to uh, to see how we wanted to play our transfer. Yeah, and it was kind of in incon- given that both of us are looking at like kind of mid level midfielders. I'd say it was kind of inconclusive. Um, it was encouraging that Kevin De Bruyne didn't start, um, although he did. He it was like, it was like the perfect start for De Bruyne because he he didn't start the match and then he came on in like the 60th minute and scored a goal. Yeah. So uh, and same thing happened with with Payet. Um, he came on at like the 68th minute or something like that, and um, so just enough to get a little run in, but not enough to 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 concern you because. Um, you know, some of these teams have a lot of matches coming up. So we have we have the fixtures uh, midweek, and then we have the fixtures at the weekend. Um, but there are also replays that'll take place ne- take place next week, and there are also the second leg of the Capital One Cup. So just tons of matches all taking yeah. place over the next few weeks. And yeah. I think we're actually more likely to see rotation over the next few weeks than we actually saw during Christmas, where we saw very little, honestly. 
Um, almost all of the top players played basically every game week. I mean, if, if they weren't injured. I mean, I know Aguero didn't play, um, but, you know, play one of those matches. Yeah, I don't think I got a single bench player into my squad during those three match three game weeks. Yeah, I I had one. Uh, it was just Micah Richards who didn't play because of injury. So yeah, that was it. Okay, Josh. So uh, do you have your helmet on? Are you are you strapped in? Are you, are you ready to for me to flip the switch on our optimizer? I feel pretty good. I have my hands on the armrest. My hair is blowing back. I'm like the guy in the old Maxell speaker ad. <laughs> just very very ready to go here. You should uh, def- definitely look up that picture uh, on Google if you get a chance, just to <laughs> yeah. see how Josh Josh looks while while being in the optimizer. The Cheating we'll, we'll post on the uh, always cheating Facebook page. <laughs> All right, so our, our first fixture that we're going to optimize for is Aston Villa hosting Crystal Palace. This is uh, Tuesday, January twelfth. How are we feeling about this match? Um, I called it last week that I'm kind of thinking that Villa has a chance here. I think they, you know, it's funny because I remember about 10 weeks ago, me saying that, uh, you know, eventually they're going to go on a run. Every team in the league goes on a run, even even teams that get relegated. Um, but here we are, 20 weeks in, they're on eight points. Um, they're almost, I mean, they're 11 points, you know, 11 points in the drop zone right now. So um, the, the Swansea is uh, in 19 points. They're the ones that are, they're in um, 17th place. Right, right. So they have to make up 11 points in the last 18 game weeks to even, you know, to have a shot. Uh, it's going to be really tough for them. So they, they have to win matches against teams like Crystal Palace. I know Crystal Palace is still sort of um, kind of a, in a slightly inflated spot in the table, I think, given, um, I mean, their defense is good, but their um, their attack is, is really all over the place. And a lot of players haven't really performed well this year. Yeah, they were so they were so scattershot against Chelsea last week, but uh, I, I guess everyone will be encouraged that it looks like Johan Kabay will be back yeah. for the Villa match. So that will definitely give them the the stability that they were lacking. They keep getting goals from their defenders too. It's it's incredible. I mean, even over the weekend, you know, Joel Ward scored in a two one win over Southampton. So I think. Um, and I have to remind people: you remember the first four game weeks of the season, Joel Ward came away with two goals for himself, and he's still yeah. priced at four point five uh, it's really, million. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. So Ward Ward is definitely undervalued, um, and I think um, I mean Scott Dan. I think is he's up to is he up to five point eight now? Yeah, so 5. From 8. five to five point eight. So yeah, I mean Joel Ward it offers you almost as much attacking value as Scott Dan for one point three million less. So to me, he's he's a great cheap defensive midfielder option. Yeah. Or, d- d- or defender option, not defensive midfielder. I actually have a player who may – so I have Micah Richards who I was considering starting in this game. He actually limped off. Yesterday. So he scored a goal for Aston Villa yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, but then then limped off at the end, and I guess he's kind of a doubt for this game. I don't think I'll start him. I, he'll probably be the first guy on my bench in this game. Mm-hmm. I just think that if you – you know, honestly, you have to imagine that Crystal Palace will win this game like one nothing or 2 nothing. I would definitely start any Crystal, Pender, any Crystal Palace defenders if I had them. Um, I mean, to think that Aston Villa would win, it would be based just on a feeling, right? I mean, there was no, like, logical reason to to think that Aston Villa would win this game. No, yeah. I mean, my prediction is really based on how Crystal Palace looked against Chelsea, and that's probably just a fluke performance right there. Yeah. And I mean, Aston Villa just drew with Wycombe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't have that. <laughs> no, you can't have that. Though, <laughs> did you notice my, my Villa uh, midfield pick? From one of our earlier podcasts, Carl's Gill, that amazing goal that he scored um, finally finally came through. Yeah, against Sunderland, he did have he had a great scissor goal. So we'll see. Maybe Carl's Gill will show up against Crystal Palace. But um, my decision to make here is 
I have David De Gea in goal, potentially away to Newcastle or start Wayne Hennessy away to Villa in this match. And I think you're trying to convince me to start Wayne Hennessy against Villa. It's a tough one. I actually have Chris Smalling, so and I'm, I'm certainly planning to start Smalling away to um, away to Newcastle. I don't know. I, I honestly like just like hand on heart. I actually think that I would you would be better off starting Hennessy over um, over De Gea. Uh, I mean, I because, wish I, I wish I could play them both. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe you can bench boost this week, Brandon. <laughs> That's maybe not it's a time. Bad idea. Use, <laughs> use the chip. <laughs> Who else do you have on your bench? Let's say you actually played a bench boost this week. Who else would who else would be coming in on your bench boost? Assuming no transfers, um, the way I have my team set right now on my bench, I would have Ross Barkley, Robert Huth, and my main man Reese Oxford. Okay, is Oxford getting any minutes at all? He got six minutes. He got six minutes against Aston Villa in game week 18. And okay. apart from that, he hasn't seen any minutes since game week four. So, so you probably, le- yeah, you probably can't, uh, you probably can't do the bench boost until you get rid of Oxford. Yeah, no, it, it's true for sure. So what do you, what do you think? Are, are, are you leaning one way or the other? I don't know. It's, it's a money thing. I, I always have a tendency to start my more expensive. When, the, when there's ever a debate, I just always gravitate toward the more expensive GK. So yeah. um, De Gea might get the start. He really might. It does feel like this season has proven, though, that you just can't. I mean, you look at someone like Deli Ali, who's performing more like a like an eight million midfielder, you know. And it's just it's so hard to see past the price with him. Yeah, but if you, you look know, at con- consistent defensive performances, Man United is just far more reliable than Crystal Palace. I, I totally buy your argument, and Hennessy is a very good option here. But if I just go down to consistency, I, I have a little more faith that United is going to be that much more organized. Yeah, it's probably like, a, I mean, you, the, the odds are both both games will be killing sheets. So, yeah, I, I, I can see. OK, yep. Yeah, uh, next match, uh, another one of the there are only there are three matches on Tuesday and then um, and then seven on Wednesday. The second Tuesday match is Bournemouth hosting West Ham. West Ham on the backs of uh, two straight one nothing wins, uh, one nothing win um, over the weekend, and then a one nothing win um, at home. Actually, three wins in a row for West Ham. They they won their last three. So this is uh, Dimitri Payet time. I mean, a lot of people bringing him in with their wild card or even with just with their free transfer. Um, he's probably going to start this game. I would think so. I mean, it just it's hard to tell. I mean, not you know. I mean. He hasn't started yet, uh, so do, does he finally start in this match? I mean, it is it is Bournemouth. I mean, I, it's not like um, it's not like they're playing a team like Arsenal or, or Man City or whomever, where you know they feel like they have to start him right from you know right from the beginning to to get points of the match. They may like they may take a little bit of a chance and bring him in at you know halftime or the fiftieth minute. I think he starts because bringing a guy in as a sub in the sixty odd minute. Two games in a row, I feel like that means he's ready for a start. If they're bringing him in around the 80th minute, then I would be a little more concerned. But yeah. the fact that he's getting a 30-minute run out at a time makes me feel like his fitness level is is close enough to where it might need to be to start and play 60 minutes and then come out and sit on the bench. Yeah, well, maybe so. Uh, I'm, I'm Right now I'm going back and forth between Payet and, um, and Willian. Uh, Delafeo's got to go. Uh, the Delafeo experiment has gone on as long as it possibly can. Uh, so I think um, Pyatt and William seem like the, the most likely 
picks. Uh, you know, the William William was a little. I was I was really leaning towards William until today's match, until uh, Chelsea's uh, FA Cup match. And now that now that Oscar and uh, Costa are doubts for uh, the West Brom game, you know, it, it just I don't know how much it affects William really. Um, probably Costa a little more than Oscar affects him. Um, yeah. Because you know all those all those free kicks. Although I mean I don't know. I guess um, he can still he can still you know take a he can still take a free kick you know on the edge of the box and score a goal. So and he's more likely to play ninety minutes than Pyatt. So yeah, you know, I mean I'm just like flipping a coin on that one. Yeah, and foreseeing uh, clean sheets for Chelsea too. That's perhaps an easy at least three points for Willie on each time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so but prediction for this Bournemouth-West Ham game, uh, I'm feeling like West Ham is going to walk away with a pretty easy win against Bournemouth. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, Bournemouth's form is actually pretty pretty decent. Um, they're, you know, they've won three of their last six. So they, they've actually only lost one match in their last six matches. Um, look, so, I don't know so how Arsenal. To Arsenal, I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, it's like they, 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 you know, they look pretty good at home. They look a little stronger defensively at home. Um, I think this game could end up being like a one-one draw, actually. And right. um, you know, I think that um, you said you, you were you, you were considering possibly making a couple moves to bring in Harry Kane. Like you might you might be dropping Barkley. Yeah, uh, I've, I've had a rotation problem in my midfield because I have five uh, nailed-on starters in my midfield, and I just have terrible benching anxiety every game week so i'm looking to drop ross barkley for like a four point sub 4.5 if possible midfielder and that that could afford me to turn jamie vardy into harry kane right so it seems to me like the bournemouth midfielders would be the way to go right if you if you're trying to free up a lot of cash right now i would be looking at those 4.5 million bournemouth midfielders i think uh Maybe King in particular, or I don't know. I mean, maybe Stanislaw. I, I, he looked Stanislaw was a little more exciting maybe a month or month or so ago. Yeah, I he feel like it's quite as much. It's a little bit of a coin flip with the two of them, I think, and it just depends on game to game. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Gareth King Barry is, King is unreliable. Yeah, Gareth Barry was the other one I was um, considering, but he's just like straight up holding midfield. You're not going to get a lot of points from him. Yeah, you're going to get mean, a lot of yellow cards. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna steal the occasional Delafeo assist, but mm-hmm. I think I think outside of that, he's just not a it's not a great option. It's it's a straight bench boost uh, to go back to what we were talking about earlier. It's a straight bench boost transfer, hopefully, because I hope to never have to play this midfielder. Yeah, I think I would definitely go Stanislaw if I were you. Uh, I mean, it's four point two million. So even if he just sits there on the bench and never plays, you're investing less money in him. And right. if he comes on, there's at least a chance that he might score at some point. Let's move on to uh, Newcastle, Manchester United. Man, you. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights of this match, Brandon. I actually caught the second half of this one. Uh, Man, you. Uh, I mean, like typical Man, you awfulness, really. I mean, just no. I don't understand. I mean, if I were a Man, you fan, I would be just like. Bleeding from the eyeballs, like I, I want, I want, <laughs> just wanting, like wanting Van Gaal to go so badly. I mean, I don't know. He has ruined this team, right? I mean, yeah. this is this is this is a, a absolutely painful Man United. So, it's so against the ethos of Man United. This this you know this this spirit and this fire that they've had forever, right? For twenty five years under Alex Ferguson, right? A, t- a team you might hate with a passion, but still sort of secretly admire and watch. Yeah. yeah, of course, they were always fun to watch, and now. It's just you know it's such a disaster, and uh, they got they, they got just incredible luck. I mean this uh, the Sheffield defender um, just made a I mean you know 
he so he follows Memphis in the box in like the first minute of extra time, and you know Memphis did make a meal of it a little bit, but he there's a cleat on the leg, you know. I mean, if you make a slide tackle in the box and your cleat catches the guy's leg, that's a penalty like, yeah. every you know every day. Right. Um, so you know, so they they, they Wayne Rooney you know, scores the penalty, they win one nothing, they're on to the next round. Uh, so maybe that win gives them a little bit of a of an energy boost. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to be inspired by anyone in that menu attack. I will say, it's tough. My main question is defensive with United. As I was talking about De Gea, no, I don't think anyone's concerned about playing attacking United assets. But which United team is going to show up? Uh, also, which Newcastle team is going to show up? I have Chris Smalling, and I'm planning to uh, start him in this match, but I don't actually feel that good about it. Uh, because this this Newcastle team is it's so um, there's not there's no one player that that scares you on this Newcastle team, but there are lots of players who kind of on their day are scary. You know, right. they'll sort of they'll pop up and and have a have a really nice. I mean, we've, we've seen this with uh, with Perez this season. We've seen it with um, Mitrovic with Mitrovic. Uh, you know, we've seen it with with Wijnaldum. You know, maybe most sort of famously. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's it's unclear uh, who's going to do that, but it seems to happen at least once a game. It is a translate into wins for them, but I think that you often like they're 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 particularly at home. I would say um, they're a team that's a little scary because you could see this being kind of like that uh, Newcastle Chelsea game, um, you know, about ten weeks ago where. Um, you know, Man used the better team, but Newcastle just keeps nicking goals, you know, here and there. Yeah. I want to predict a clean sheet here. I'm going to go for a, a nil-nil draw. Okay. Uh, I think uh, I'll, I'll go 1-1. I think it's a 1-1 draw. Next match is uh, Chelsea hosting West Brom. So we talked about Chelsea a little bit uh, earlier in the podcast. Uh Diego Costa, who was turning into a bit of a sexy pick, is now uh, a doubt for this West Brom game. We expect him not to play. Yeah, uh, which is ruining a lot of people's active wild cards right now. He was picked as a huge differential. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, William probably is a little less attractive. I think uh, this is probably the most guaranteed clean sheet of any of the matches. I cannot imagine West Brom scoring a goal in this game. So yeah. if you if you absolutely if you have like a head to head or something that you have to win, bring in a Chelsea defender because New- West Brom is not going to score. I feel like I like I want to make some sort of guarantee. Like I'll give like everyone who listens a dollar or something if, if West Brom scores a goal in this game. Wow! I'll like yeah, free tacos. Yeah, send me your PayPal accounts. Uh, so I think this is a a two nothing. This is a Mourinho style two nothing game. Uh, I think that I think William uh, I think William will be involved in some of the goals, uh, you know, particularly actually if Oscar and uh, you know Hazard is definitely out for this West Brom game. Oscar is probably out, and Diego Costa is all out. So you're going to need William to be very much at the center of the attack. Um, maybe Pedro finally does something. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, West Brom had That's really a big maybe. Yeah, and West Brom just—it's just not looking very good for them right now. And they—they they had a, a pretty discouraging two-two draw um, against Bristol City. At least Barahino scored for them. I mean, he's been like just incredibly absent for this entire season. What like ninety percent of West Brom's goals have come from their defenders so far. Yeah, your Craig, your Craig Dawson's, your Jonas Olsons of the world. And it, yeah, and I. Do we? I don't know. Has the rumor mill like picked up at all with Barahino? Do we think he might move to Spurs or, or somewhere else? Or? I haven't seen anything. I it's, really you, haven't. You really just don't see a lot of um, a lot of January is just it's it's the most overhyped transfer window. 
You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the regular transfer window is overhyped enough, but January is even worse. Like, no moves ever happen in January. It's it's yeah. always these little seven million moves. These you know, bringing them backups or whatever. It's it's you know, it's it's. it's I, I know occasionally you'll get like. Um, you know, like a Daniel Sturridge or an Andy Carroll move or something like that. But but it feels like the last two or three years we haven't seen anything significant happen in January. Sort of the, Ars- the most famous example being Arsenal bringing in Kim Kallstrom uh, at the uh, at who the had like of- a broken back. Yeah, the had a broken, him. broken back. I think he played about forty five minutes over the last twenty weeks of the season. And yeah. this was when Arsenal was in first place too. It was really, it was very discouraging as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. All right, that's Uh, neither here nor there. The thing that's driving me crazy about this game is I see a lot of people out there talking about how they're going to get Ivanovic into their defense. And um, this is just very bizarre talk to me because Ivanovic somehow is still priced at $6.5 which just seems ludicrous for a guy who um, was a laughingstock for the first half of this season. Yeah, it just seems like you can get the same the same attacking and bonus point threat uh, from um, Aspilicueta, who plays you know he plays on the left as opposed to the right for for Ivanovic, and um, so you're, you know if, you, if even if you want an attacking fullback, you can get that for one you know full million cheaper from Aspilicueta. So over the season, Aspilicueta has seven bonus points, one goal, two assists. Um, and uh, Ivanovic, you know, he had he had one big game like four weeks ago, um, that match, and they were uh, home to Sunderland uh, where he had a goal and assist. But other than that, he hasn't done that much. You know, same same amount of bonus points, uh, one goal, one assist on the season, so one assist less. Uh, I mean, I know that's kind of like hair splitting, but, you know, still, I mean, he's, he's certainly not offering more of an attacking threat. If this were Ivanovic versus Aspilicueta like a year or two ago, obviously Ivanovic would be the player to go with. But yeah. um, it seems like you can just save the money. Yeah, it's kind of been the narrative all season long with people talking about Chelsea is always waiting for Chelsea to turn the corner. And we saw this with Hazard, where everyone brought him in just on a on the hope that he was going to hit form and forgetting how Chelsea has looked all season. It's the same with Ivanovic. It just seems crazy to me that people have this optimism for him. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that brings us to uh, let's let's get away from this match. That, that that's not going to be a fun match to watch. I guarantee it. Yikes! <laughs> let's move to uh, Man City Everton. Uh, okay, so we're all going to captain Sergio Aguero for this game. There are a couple of other appealing fixtures, but Everton's defense is um, radioactive right now, and Aguero is finally hitting form. He himself. Had a goal in uh, the FA Cup match over the weekend. Uh, are are you, you're not looking to get him into your squad just yet, are you, Josh? Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, it was it was uh, a little scary that he scored again um, in the FA Cup match yesterday. Um, I I wasn't incredibly blown away by his performance in the Leicester match, and as we as this, as we've talked about endlessly on the on the podcast, I mean, just. He has not been a consistent scorer at all this year, and um, his price is, is insane. You know, it's so high that you have to. I mean, it, it would require like real. Sir, I would have to burn probably eight points to bring him in this week. Yeah, um, I'm totally. I'm totally going against everything I just said about Ivanovic. Um, me talking about taking a 13.1 very wildly <laughs> inconsistent striker and captaining him in my squad. But I this can understand. Yeah. yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. I've been hanging on to Aguero through these really trying times. And yeah. And finally, I've ever- gotten to exactly to where I want to be, where he is um, a, di- a real differential for anybody who has him. 
Yeah, he is, at least until people, the wild cards are really, you know, sort of employed in full force. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, I, I would captain him this week if I had him too. I mean, the, Everton without James McCarthy is just not the same team. They just don't, they, they don't link up well and they tend to get exposed and um, it's very hard for them to keep a clean sheet right now. So I think I could see Man City win, the, win this. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I will say Everton looked better um, in their home match to uh, Tottenham last week. It was it was really fun like both teams really were at their best, I thought it was a really exciting match. Uh, but I agree. I think, I think a way to Man City, we could some. It'll be you know. I, so Luka- if Lukaku doesn't play, that's definitely a problem. I mean, the, the Everton is a little banged up right now. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, right. Lukaku hobbled off um, hobbled this off. weekend with an ankle problem. Seamus Coleman's out for about four weeks. Yeah. Uh, was that, so, that's a knee injury with him. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So you know, and without Coleman, I mean, Coleman is such a such an escape valve for them sometimes too. You know, so I, I don't. It may it may actually lead to, the, to them tightening up a little bit on defense. I mean, because Coleman, like, he spends like almost no time in his own half. You know, <laughs> right. it, it could be a blessing in disguise for them just to be. have to tighten up in the back. Exactly. So uh, I I can't imagine Everton winning this game, but I think like three one Man City, and, I, and I'm definitely looking very closely at Kevin De Bruyne as uh, as my captain for this game week. Right, so the numbers will show that De Bruyne has had very woeful away form, but this is the time for KDB because we have two home fixtures for Man City in a row, uh, Everton then followed by Crystal Palace. So the patience with KDB will hopefully pay off here at twenty one yeah. game week twenty one twenty two. So we kind of, you know, it's interesting because we, you know, we sort of hit the end of this really great run of fixtures for. For Everton, you know, and they're away to Man City and Chelsea the next two game weeks. But it's hard to just completely purge yourself of all their assets because after those two matches away, uh, they have Swansea, Newcastle, and West Brom at home in three of their three. So in game weeks 23, 24, and 26, they have three really plum home fixtures and they have an away match to Stoke uh, sandwiched yeah. in there. So yeah. I mean, you don't want to just get rid of everybody. And certainly, you know, Lukaku to me is one of the true must-own players in the league. Um, even if he doesn't play this week, even if he's out for two weeks, it might be worth benching him because you really want him for those 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 three home fixtures. He was the only thing that came out that he was the only thing that came out of the lauded Everton run was his consistent goal scoring form. Absolutely, he, yeah. To drop him now, I mean, assuming this ankle injury doesn't turn into something serious. Yeah. Uh, yep. Definitely. Definitely keeping him. But uh, and, like and if I he was, pl- if he plays in this uh, if he plays in this Man City game, I could see him getting some kind of attacking point. You know, whether it's a goal or an assist. Yeah, Man City's defense is no big shakes, particularly yeah. when the company's still out. Yeah. Exactly. So um, yeah, I could see. I mean, I could see Kolarov getting points, whether it's whether it's clean sheet or attacking points in this game. Um, I mean, it's just that he takes those corners. I mean, that's you know, he's one of the few defenders who takes corner kicks. Hey, speaking of Vincent Company, I have to stress that everyone go check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash always cheating. We have another great movie poster Photoshop from Mitchell Maynard. This time it's the uh, Scarlett Johansson movie in good company. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, ScarJo just has the most loving embrace uh, over Vincent Company's shoulder. And he, he, he looks he looks happier than I've seen him recently. Yeah, uh, I think I think we're going to ship that. I think we're I think we're company Scarjo shippers. Uh, all right, so uh, so movie posters aside, let's let's <laughs> let's uh, move I, on. I'll, so, yeah, I'll go I'll go with your three one prediction too, though, Josh. Okay, cool. All right, next match is Southampton Watford. Uh, wow, so Southampton is just um, among the the teams in the worst form right now. Yep, can, they are. Can, they're 
down there, they've, they've lost four of their last five matches. The only one they didn't lose was the uh, thrashing of Arsenal. So explain that to me, please. Actually, so, don't. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to Twitter, uh, always cheating, at Hail Cheaters, we have a question from Adam Beasley who's saying, if Vardy stays injured after Game Week 21, I'm debating doubling Igalo with Dini. Is that crazy? Um, I, I tend to believe that is crazy, but now I'm looking at this Southampton fixture, and you have to believe that there are goals in this one for Watford. Yeah, I think it's a little crazy. I, I think that there are probably better ways to spend. Your, even if you wanted, uh, even someone like um, Anthony Marshall would be an interesting. You know, if you wanted, like, if, even if you wanted a differential forward line, I don't. I don't. I think there are better places to spend your money. I'm not even sure where you would spend – you'd have so much money in your pocket. I mean, I assume that uh, Adam Beasley has Sergio Aguero up front to compliment think, Dini and Agallo. Yeah, what about like Bojan? I think I'd rather have Bojan over, um, over, over, over one of those two players. Like I think I'd probably have Bojan over Dini. Although Dini did score this weekend. They, uh, Watford won one nothing over the weekend in the FA Cup, and he was the lone goal scorer. I am all about diversification. And uh, whether whether it's in life or in the Premier League, absolutely. You're talking about uh, mutual funds. You're talking about (laughs) 401k. Any of that. Uh, You're talking about FPL. I'm talking about diversification. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, if granted, Watford is pretty high up there in the form table. But unless a team is like competing for Champions League spots, I'm very loath to double up on them for attacking points. You really want to double up on teams that are in the top four. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to double up on teams that are like you, you can definitely double up on the Arsenal midfield right now. Although actually, even that hasn't really worked. It, it, it's always a risk, you know, to double up on uh, to double up in any in any particular position um, on the same team. Yeah, I mean, a yeah. lot of people had like you know Ozil and Ramsey or Ozil and uh, Walcott, and really it was just Ozil. <laughs> he was the only he was the only one. I guess there were those the two weeks when. Uh, when Ramsey uh, performed really well, before, you know, kind of before the holiday fixture started, right? Uh, but in general, it doesn't it doesn't tend to pan out. So the Southampton defense continues to be a problem. I mean, we're both still sitting on Virgil Van Dyke, woefully. Uh, is there? I mean, are you encouraged at all by their chances at a clean sheet against Watford next Tuesday? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, Watford have had um, you know they lost their last two matches. Um, you wonder if some of the magic is is going away. I mean, it's the it's the same problem that all these all these smaller clubs have. You know, it's just there are so many fixtures that that have to be played right now, and they just they don't have the squad depth to to rotate at all. So you know, I mean, Agallo did what was on the bench for the FA Cup match this weekend, which I think was was helpful. But you know, they're going to have to play both Dini and Agallo basically almost almost all the time. Yeah. Um, so they, they've lost the last two. They're away to Southampton. Um, Southampton did just lose to, to Crystal Palace. Um, you know, and they're on this terrible run of form. So I can see Watford winning this game, um, but it's a it's a tough one. Um, I, I, I'm definitely planning to start Van Dyke in this match, but yeah, I likewise. don't feel too confident that I'm going to keep my clean sheet. All right, so the next match is Stoke versus Norwich City. Definitely one for Stoke to continue their high flying form. Uh, I mean, Norwich. Under Alex Neal is starting to actually reclaim some respectability mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. 
you know, thanks in part to Dear Mercy Mobicani, of course. So, um, and we saw the uh, the front four for Stoke City all get rested in the FA Cup. Afalai, Boyan, Shakiri, and um, Arnatovic uh, all were rested. So they will be hardy and looking to score goals. Yeah, uh, and they won anyway, uh, which is kind of amazing. Jonathan Walters. I mean, yeah, the old gray man himself, Jonathan Walters. <laughs> Uh, I feel very good about Stoke in this match, uh, despite Norwich's. De- so Norwich did just lose three uh, nothing in the FA Cup too to um, to Man City, and I, don't, I mean if Stoke if, if they can't keep a clean sheet in this one, I'd really be surprised. This seems like a. a I don't feel quite as confident as I do in my Chelsea clean sheet pick, uh, yeah. but I really think that um, this is like a classic two nothing win. And Arnatovic is another. So I talked about you know so William and. Um, and Payet and Arnatovic are kind of the three sexy midfielder picks right now. Yeah. And uh, I think I, that— I feel like the Arnatovic chatter has died down just a little bit because he finished with one point against West Brom. And their run of fixtures is pretty—well, uh, okay, they have two good fixtures in a row. <laughs> uh, They're—let's um, see. They have—they're uh, home to Norwich and they're home to Arsenal. And I actually feel pretty good about that home match to Arsenal, just given how they performed, uh, you know, against the top teams um, at home the last few weeks. I mean, you know, they they've made Man they made Man City and Man United look really bad uh, in uh, the last you know six weeks or so. So I think um, I think they look. I would feel pretty confident about that one. And then away to Leicester. I mean, there's you know, Leicester has tightened up a little bit, but you could definitely see goals in that one. Um, you know, away to Man United. Maybe that's a trickier one, but certainly the next three game weeks are. Um, you know, times to uh, to have, or you know, to it'd be worth investing in a in a Stoke midfielder or a, or a forward. I think. Well, and Glenn Johnson, who I've had now for two weeks and got a total of two points from him, I need a clean sheet badly from him against Norwich. He he owes it to me. He kind of does. That's true. <laughs> it's encouraging that Norwich has you know they have back to back clean sheets. So that that's something. Uh, you know, they really couldn't keep a clean sheet at all the first. You know, 15, 15 or so weeks of the season. Um, so I don't think I'll – I actually have – I still have Russell Martin. Um, I don't think I'll start him this game week, but it makes me feel better about that away match to, to Bournemouth next week and where I probably would start him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Swansea Sunderland. Swansea uh, hopefully continuing their ascendancy uh, without a new manager. Um, yeah, so they have now – they've officially decided that um, they're going to uh, – they're going to keep their current manager for the rest of the season. So Alan Curtis is going to lead Swans to the end, through the end of the season, uh, which is really, I mean, do they want to go down? Like, I, I'm really, <laughs> I can't believe, I mean, he has done nothing to uh, to encourage him or, or, or think that um, that he's the man to keep them up. Uh, you know, I mean, they have they have They have looked better. Less, a little better, I guess. I mean, they... You know, I don't know. I mean, they have they have a draw like in the last two game weeks. It's it just it, it is not really they're giving up the chance of the new manager bump. Yeah, you know, I mean, like how true. much do you how much do you pay just to bring somebody in a Martin O'Neill type who you know yeah. maybe maybe they're not the long term option, but you just win like three games in a row because everyone just kind of gets a little more juice when the new manager comes in. <clears throat> it's true. I guess you got to be worried just sitting on nineteen points uh, just out of the drop zone. Yeah, I am a little worried about this team. I mean, there's just not that one player in the team who can just put them on his back and, and you know, and, and and just like get him to 
16th place and you know you can just you can just talk chuck it up to a tough year but i mean who is that player i mean maybe maybe iu although iu's kind of stopped performing so i think that's why people are being a little more optimistic about swansea though despite all this because gilfie sigurdsson has been at least visible the last two or three game weeks yeah that's that's true and and he's and, that sort of guy that could be a talisman for that team and he's a proven player in that midfield he's a proven goal scorer yeah, they did just lose to Oxford United today in the FA Cup, three to two. But they got goals from. Actually, I, I think it's for the bet. Like they don't want to be in the FA Cup right now. Right? This is not their priority. Their priority no. is, to, is to get through this season. Uh, but they got goals from Jefferson Montero and Bafatembi Gomes in this game, uh, which is fantasy aside. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, this. You could make a case for investing in the Swansea defenders for sure, um, but I, I, the attacking options to me are not. I, I've, I've heard some people talk about uh, Andre Ayew as a possible option, but I just I don't know how you could pick him right now given his form and given, you know, I mean, someone like William just you know to me he just stands out so much more prominently as the kind of player you want to bring in right now or you know Piat for that matter. Um, hey, maybe maybe Ayu comes into this game looking to prove the entire continent of Africa wrong for not giving him that African <laughs> Player of the Year trophy. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I think um, I think this is going to be a, a, a tough one for Swansea. Uh, I mean, they should win. I mean, they should, I mean, if, if they're losing at home to Sunderland, they they really might go down this year. Uh, but this is like a true six pointer. I mean, we're far enough into the season now. That these these you know we're looking at a real relegation battle. Sunderland, despite them being terrible, can at least score goals uh, with guys like Jermaine Defoe or uh, like Fabio Barini will occasionally chime in there and yep. do something. Um, I th- I think this is a like a maybe like a two one Swansea win. I think they'll 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 find a way to scrap together two goals and then someone like Jermaine Defoe will will nick a goal at the end. Right, right. Okay. All right, so a marquee fixture then to follow that. It's Liverpool hosting Arsenal, uh, but it is a Liverpool squad that has been crazily decimated by injuries. And uh, if they'll, be, they'll be definitely looking to Brad Smith to carry them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, carry them at Anfield against oh, the Oh, yeah, it's all Brad Smith and Jerome Sinclair just carrying that team right now. I don't know. When Brad Smith came in, and uh, was it one or two weeks ago in that last Premier League fixture, he looked good. He looked hungry. He looked purposeful. Yeah, I don't know that he plays in this game, but he probably won't. They'll probably save him for the next FA Cup match. It's I'm it, Team yeah, Brad, though. I feel bad for Jerome Sinclair because he uh, he's like he shares a name with Cameron Jerome and Scott Sinclair, and they both suck. So it's kind of hard not to think of him as a player who sucks. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sheer unluckiness of, of having those two players uh, as you know <laughs> part of his name. I I, I yeah, I think. Um, this, this Liverpool team, I mean, they're, they're just there's so many injuries right now, and the fixtures are really stacked up against them. I mean, they have Europa League commitments, Capital One Cup commitments. They've never got to do an FA Cup replay. Um, they've got you know two two Premier League matches in five days. It's just it's a total disaster for them. Um, and I really I, I I mean it's always you it's hard to ever predict that the away team's going to win a match at Anfield. I think that's always a a risky proposition. Like if I were betting in this game, I'd be I'd be right. nervous about it. Um, <laughs> but I do think that Arsenal could um, could win this game. I, I I could see them winning like two nothing even. Um, like I'm really de- I, I have Hector Bellerin. I'm really debating whether to start him in this match, and I probably will. Um, I just don't know how scared you can be of uh, Liverpool's attack right now. Yeah, Christian Benteke just looks so slow and so unmotivated, or at least not part of the system up front there. You don't know where the goals are going to come from without Jordan Henderson or Coutinho being a part of that midfield play. 
Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, they're, so they're really hurt by injuries, but you could you could see a lot of. I, I feel like this whole team's going to get revamped in the off season. So this uh, goes in this goes in part with a question we got on Twitter at Hell Cheaters. This one comes from Eric Sibbles. It says Liverpool are really in trouble this week. Might be worth captaining a Gooner or getting use out of Josh's boy. Chris Smalling. So just setting the setting the United part of that aside, are we considering captaining Mesut Ozil in this game? And it sounds like um, just because it's Anfield, we're shying away from that. I don't know. I, yeah. I could if see I, if, I, I, if I didn't have a Man City player, I think I would consider captaining uh, Captain Ozil in this game. Or maybe, I mean, Olivier Giroud would be an interesting caption option too, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I would definitely like somebody more like Giroud than Ozil. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, there's there's a real center back problem for for Anfield right now too, and I feel like Giroud can really feast on teams, you know, that that don't that have weak center backs. So I think um, I could, I definitely see some goals from Arsenal in this game. I think um, yeah, I could see them winning this one. Fantastic. All right, here we are, the last fixture of Game Week 21. Let's make it count, Josh. Spurs are hosting Leicester, which is a repeat of the FA Cup match that we just watched over the weekend. Actually, I didn't watch it, but uh, did you catch any of this match, Josh? Uh, yeah, I did. I did watch this match. Uh, it was kind of a interesting match. It's hard to draw too many conclusions because uh, the teams will look so much different uh, in a couple of days. Uh, Oza, Oza, uh, Okazaki. Okazaki. Okazaki, thank you. Uh, Okazaki scored a really fantastic goal. Uh, we put a vine up of it on Twitter because I was, I was like, for some reason my the Fox my Fox Sports uh, it's kind of the feed can be a little weird sometimes. So I was actually watching this in Spanish, mm-hmm. and uh, the Spanish announcers were very very excited about Okazaki's goal. Okazaki's goal. <laughs> it was Messi esque the way he uh, weaved in and out of that defense. It was a he's, really beautiful he's goal. Done that a few times this year too. He's kind of he's not a consistent starter on that team, but he. There was a game I, I can't remember. You know, it's actually listed as a forward too in the uh, FPL. I didn't realize that. Did you, you did you know that, Brennan? Is he listed yeah. as a forward? No, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, he's a striker. I mean, All when right. he play, when he plays for Leicester, he's the second striker. Okay, gotcha. Well, anyway, so uh, he uh, he had that game against Everton. Uh, I'm always weeks. happy when I know things that you don't know. <laughs> he uh, so he, the last time he had a full ninety actually was about four weeks ago, and he had a goal and assist in that match. But uh, he might he might have earned a, a spot in this uh, in this Spurs game. Uh, so Mares was on the bench. Uh, Vardy uh, Vardy obviously didn't play. He's still recovering from uh, from surgery. Uh, I think he's, he's he's a doubt. We'll see if he actually starts this. I, I, I imagine he'll start in this match. I just can't. Uh, uh, it's just too big of a match for him not to play, I think. When is it all going to go wrong for Jamie Vardy? He's been playing injured all season. When is he finally just going to like explode on the field? Like, I mean, it's it's kind of happening already, right? I mean, he has <laughs> yeah. uh, you know two points, uh, three matches in a row. So, I mean, the the magic from an FBL perspective has definitely gone a little bit. I think it's hard to get rid of him because the next match is a home match to Aston Villa. And yeah. you just really, you, actually, it's an away match, but, but regardless... Uh, you know, you can definitely see him scoring some goals in that game. And then they're home to Stoke, which is also kind of an encouraging fixture. So um, there are arguments for and against Robin Vardy, I suppose. I mean, if you uh, were just, you, if you just desperately want to bring um, Aguero into your team, then I guess Vardy is the one you'd want to get rid of because uh, you, yeah. you, you can't get rid of Lukaku. And um, and I think you, I, I wouldn't want to get rid of Kane either. Um, although it becomes a very expensive forward line if you've got Lukaku, Kane, and uh and Aguero, right? What is that? That's about um, it's about it's about a thirty million forward line, uh, which is really the upper reaches of what you how much money you want to throw across that line. Yeah, that's what I'm looking to do right now. I'd actually like to <clears throat> drop Jamie Vardy to bring in Harry Kane. So Harry Kane and Deli Ali both 
came in as late second half substitutes in the game against Leicester and Harry Kane scores a penalty kick and he's his form is just too intriguing to me and against Leicester I I think he I think he's got a goal in this game for sure Jamie Vardy he, he's even a doubt to play and even if he starts I'm doubting that he scores yeah I think he I think he's a pretty good uh, shot for a goal in this game too uh so yeah, I don't know how much you read into this match. Uh, it was impressive that Leicester was able to scrap out a draw. I can't believe they did, and really, they really should have won this game. Uh, the Nathan Dyer handball was—I don't know. I mean, it was a legit penalty, I suppose. Um, his hand was out, and uh, but it was just—you know—it was really very lucky for uh, for Tottenham that uh, that he made such a big blunder. I mean, there, there was maybe five minutes left in the game, right? When that happened. So, so but are you are you favoring Spurs here in this matchup though for game week twenty one? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that uh, I I be, yeah, I, I am too. Uh, I think they're definitely the uh, the favorites to win this game. Uh, you know, three wins and a draw in their last four. Um, Leicester, you know, two draws and a loss in the last three games. It's, it's just a. It, it feels like Spurs are are still on the rise, and Leicester is sort of exhausted. I mean, it's the, it's the same Watford problem we talked about earlier, where it's just very hard to to. You can rotate squad a little bit in these FA Cup matches, but even then, they can't. It's not they can, you can't rotate a full eleven. You know, um, so I think it's just a, it's a lot of fixtures for these guys, and um, yeah, I think it's all going to start to fall apart. Maybe maybe this week. All right, let's let's break up the game weeks here with a question from our Twitter feed at Hell Cheaters. This one is from Tucker, who says, "If you have a three-player team spine, defender, midfielder, attacker, which team and which three players would you choose?" Okay. So it sounds like Tucker's asking us to pick an actual team from the Premier League. Well, let's let's do, let's do both. So okay. I'll pick I'll, I'll pick three. I, I actually think we could. I bet we could agree on the three players we'd want for the spine. Yeah. Okay. No, for uh, sure. I'll, I'll, so I okay. Let's let's we, we could almost say it at once because that's how I'm sure I'm we're going to agree on this. Okay. Uh, uh, so we'll start with. Okay, Bell- I was going to say Alder Wild. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, so you say Alderwald. I was going to say Bellerin. Yeah. And then, and then Ozil. Ozil and Aguero. Uh, oh, I was going to say Lukaku. Okay. So I'm totally. You wow. You think? I like, wow. I mean, I I just I can't. Aguero to me has not shown enough to be the the like a spine. Like he is a um, he's a differential forward to me still. He's not. Well, uh, it's, it's not, he's not I, essential. I, I guess we're we're taking this question from two different. Angles. I'm sort of looking forward, sort of trying to build the uh, the new template spine, which okay. I think I think if you fast forward like five weeks from now, it'll probably be something like Alderweireld, Ozil, Aguero. Um, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe a, I don't know. I mean, because to me, spine means like like the consistent like point like the, like delivers points like week in and week out, and then. Sort of off that spine, you you have differentials. So you have the you have the three players who you just like you just you pl- you plug them in. You never worry about them because you know they're going to get you points every game week. Yeah. And I mean, and Aguero's got you know he's only scored in what like four out of twenty fixtures this season. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, I don't know if I'd pick, I'd, I mean Alderweireld maybe. Um, you know, I mean, I guess he's probably a, he and Bellerin. It's like a like. Uh, that one, that one's pretty tight, I'd say. Well, I said last week uh, among the must-have players, Bellerin was one of them. But the interesting thing about Alderweireld is his ability to get attacking points has really outweighed Bellerin's 
uh, over the course of the season. And we've seen it a few times where Alderweireld hasn't been able to keep a clean sheet, but he's getting the goal or he's getting the assist. So therefore, uh, he's he would be my pick. He's my pick. Okay, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, when I, I mean, when I think of Alderweireld right now, I do think of that like raking crossfield pass to Deli Alley for the goal um, yeah. against Everton. Right. Uh, or was it was it crossfield? It was certainly the length of the field. It was kind of um, I don't know how much of an angle yeah, it was. On. Yeah, a little more just straight up the middle, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> great pass anyway. <laughs> yeah, looked fantastic. And if you had to pick one team, uh, I guess this one is is open to debate. I suppose. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, just given that two out of three of the teams I picked were Arsenal players, I suppose I'd go with Arsenal, uh, especially because Drew has been pretty consistent uh, in terms of goal scoring. He scored again in the FA Cup match this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be the, the the team that I would pick for this buy It's all North London. It's either Arsenal or it's Spurs. I mean, Spurs are still on the ascendancy, but back to front, they seem just like a really well put together team. Great defenders, fantastic goalkeeper. So midfield. you'd go Alder- Alderweireld. Uh, Ali Kane as your yeah. as your top yeah. spine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, Man City. Uh, you, I, I, until Kevin De Bruyne starts scoring matches or starts scoring matches away from home, it's hard to think of his, him as like a totally essential player. Yeah, City is City is just off limits as far as these uh, universal lauding the team. Their, their defense is kind of garb. Their midfield is without a leader at this point. Yeah. David, David Silva really needs to come into this season. Um, I mean, is is he done? Is David Silva just done? I just think it takes a long time to recover from these ankle injuries. Yeah. Um, you, know, we saw, you see it in kind of any sport. When a player is battling an ankle injury, it just it just saps you of so much of your of your magic, you know, and your right. ability to 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 really like you know, like like play to like the the the, the peak of your athleticism. Right. So I think that. Um, I don't know that we'll see it from him this year. You know, I mean, I think um, certainly not from an, from an, an FPL perspective. I mean, he's obviously offered enough to that team that they're still starting him game week, uh, you know, week in and week out. But I mean, you think of him like before he had that ankle injury. This, I mean, the first maybe five or six games of the season, he was a fantastic player. I mean, a, a borderline must own player. Right. Yeah. Um, where, I mean, you could where? you could actually argue for Yaya Torre, I guess, as a, instead of KDB on that team. Yeah, he's definitely more affordable. But um, when will he show up? Like you never know. I guess he's 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 shown some consistency. Weirdly, uh, <laughs> yeah, weirdly for him. Yeah, like, After kind of drifting away for several weeks, uh, he's he's actually so yeah. He's got. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but he actually has uh, attacking points in four of the last five game weeks. Yeah. All right. Uh, another question we got online. William Chan says, what's up with Erickson? The guy doesn't even get 90 minutes anymore. He's still on my team, but I always have to use transfers everywhere else. I was thinking of doing Erickson to Ali, but it seems like a sideways move. Um, that No, that is anything but a sideways move. That is a total upgrade. You're freeing up money. You're getting a far better player who is who has actually given out results to FPL managers this season as opposed to Erickson. I, yeah. I hope, I assume you agree with me. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, I, I think if, if, if Ali's price was 8.5, we would never we would never even have this debate. I mean, if, if his price was 8.5, you probably wouldn't have benched him away to uh, Everton last weekend. You right. know, I mean, there's just something about that, him having that price in the, in the 5 million range that makes you think that, I mean, granted, like, there's a little, a little bit of, like, a yellow card uh, issue with him. Yeah. Um, 
But he's offering so much. He's scoring home and away, you know, just like really at the center of that attack, playing with Kane up front the whole time. Uh, there's no reason not to uh, not to play him every game week and um, and treat him like like a like a top drawer midfielder. So I'm talking about getting rid of Ross Barkley just so I can avoid that Deli Ali benching decision, right? Because I brought Deli Ali in because he was he was so cheap. He was uh, 4.9 or even 5.0 when I bought him, and the idea was he would be a stud that sat on my bench for the rest of the season. But right. now he's unbenchable. So he, I'm, I'm, I'm shipping Ross Barkley, not in the Twitter sense, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm shipping him so that I can easily play Deli Ali as my fourth mid every week in, week out. So yeah, for sure, I'm Team Ali all yeah, the way. I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, five goals and five assists so far in the season, uh, really excellent. And then that's actually missing two matches and the bulk of another match. So five, five goals and three and five assists in, in 17 game weeks is a really excellent return for someone you can think of as maybe a third or, or fourth midfielder. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Luke Thunberg asks on Twitter um, about cheap defensive options. He says he's possibly looking at Ivanovich and needs to free up some funds. So I think we, we talked about the Ivanovich thing a little bit. If you really want to bring in a Chelsea midfielder, I think that Aspilicueta offers you exactly the same amount of threat and bonus point potential yeah. uh, for 0.8 million less. So that, that's where I'd go there. Um, but what about just cheap defenders in general? Are there, do you have a couple ideas, Brandon, a couple people who, who well, stick out to you as cheap <laughs> defenders? I mean, he's been on my team all season, and I've compared him to a warm, cuddly teddy bear before. But mm-hmm. Robert Huth has has come to be a defender that I I actually value on my squad. And Lester has been able to come by clean sheets a little more easily, and he does give you a pretty good goal threat on center pieces for Lester. I, and Robert Huth is there; he's playing ninety minutes every game, and he's four point three. I think that that Danny Simpson is the player that I would bring in if I was bringing in a player from uh, from Leicester. Uh-huh. Uh, he's 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 four point one. Uh, he gets forward a little bit more. Uh, he's picked up an assist and four bonus points in the season already. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I, I'm still not totally confident in looking at Leicester options. If I were wildcarding, I would definitely bring in. Um, Francis on uh, Bournemouth. Uh, he's only he's only four point three million. Uh, just had a red card, so he's not a. Um, I don't think he's on a ton of people's radars as they as people start to play early wild cards. Uh, but their their fixtures are really solid. I mean, the thing about bringing in a really cheap defender is you don't need someone who can play every single game week. You just need someone that you can plug in maybe three out of ten game weeks, right? Right. Would, wouldn't you agree? So, oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So home to West Ham. Chance of a clean sheet there for sure. Home to Norwich, definitely definite chance of a clean sheet. Uh, and then the rest of the fixtures, I mean, over the next 10 weeks or so, there are enough matches where you could plug him in, uh, you know, way to Sunderland possibly, home to Stoke, uh, home to Southampton, uh, home to Swansea. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Francis is the chief defender that I would be looking at. I mean, uh, the Stoke defense, we rave about a lot too, and Wolshide still priced at 45 yeah, um, and that's an that's an easy route to the Stoke defense, which has shown to be able to string a lot of clean sheets together. And yeah, that's a great that's a great point. And Joel Ward, who we talked about earlier, is another option. And I guess if you were looking for a, a cheap, if you wanted some cheap defenders who are slightly differential options, I suppose if you had the guts for it, you could you could look at Swansea too, because uh, they have. Four home matches in their next six, and one of their two away matches is away to West Brom, which could be a clean sheet too. So they're they're home to Sunderland, home to Watford, home to Crystal Palace and Southampton, and away to Everton and West Brom in their next six. So I mean, you could, I mean, you could see clean sheets in three out of six of those matches for, for yeah. Swansea. 
And Ashley Williams' insane three-game run of nine points, nine points, nine points. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, they're basically like trying to Sam Allardyce it, right? They're just yeah. trying to just nick out enough draws and one nothing wins to stay up. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, honestly, I'm, I'm actually kind of talking myself into a Swansea defender because um, none of them are priced higher than $4.8 million. So there's no... You know, they're very cheap, and they're not going to break your bank at all to bring them in. Yeah, their whole, the whole plan for Swansea is just to piece together enough points that they can stay up this year. Right. So they have, you know, uh, they have 19 points through 20 games. They probably, if they picked up another 19 in their next 20, that, 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 or in their next 18, that'd probably be enough for them to stay up. I mean, I know that 40 is kind of the number everybody talks about, but yeah. I think in the last couple of years, even having like 38 is enough to stay up. So I think— um, Your math checks out. Yeah, well, I think uh, so. I think if they could just if they can pick up nineteen points through seven draws and four wins, uh, they would. I think they would definitely take it. Yeah. All right. This question is for you, Josh. Uh, it comes from Christoph Sasso. Who's got the worst haircut, Donald Trump or Gerard De La Feu? Ooh, that is a tough one. I suppose De La Feu because I mean, at least Trump <laughs> isn't isn't constantly smoothing it back. Yeah, you know, Trump, and it's, Trump, Trump's haircut uh, doesn't get in his way. It also holds firm in the wind more than Delafayette's <laughs> does. Suspiciously <laughs> so. It's true. I think you could yank on that wig and it would not come off. And Delafayette, the slightest, a, a three mile per hour breeze in Delafayette's hair is like <laughs> flapping all over the place. I don't even know if Donald. See, the whole thing about Trump's hair is I don't even think it's a wig. It's like the most elaborate comb over of all time. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, uh, I don't think Trump, Trump has a shred of integrity, but I think he feels he he does to the extent he wants his comb over to or his wig to be all his own hair. Okay, I'm not sure that I agree with you on that. Uh, no. It's a li- it's a little too voluminous for someone of his age. Uh, <laughs> I think I think he is definitely wearing a wig. If if that's a wig, why would you choose to get a wig that looks like looks like that? When you get like a when you get like a really cool looking haircut like a like a like a more like like a mullet with a with a side spike something that was a little more like party a little more rock and roll all right, dude. I'm going to show you. Like, I'm going to send you just pictures of Donald Trump wig Google image results, and you're you're going to see what I'm talking about here. All we, right, we, all right. we are looking at we are looking at extensions for sure. Oh, uh, why aren't there any comb overs in the Premier League? This is a yeah. question for the Men and Blazers. Like, they they love spending half their podcast talking about how bald everybody is. So we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that to them. All right. Speaking of hair, Josh, how's your hair? We've been sitting in the optimizer now for like like a solid 45 <laughs> minutes or so. I know, uh, it's feeling good. I, I feel my my legs are a little warm. I need to like I need to go like do some jumping jacks or something just to like just to keep myself <laughs> going here. All right, let's get into game week twenty two. We're kicking it off with Spurs hosting Sunderland. This is another reason why uh, I'm really desperate to get Harry Kane in because um, uh, hosting Sunderland means you're going to score some goals for sure, and you have to like your attacking assets for Spurs here. Yeah, it's it's uh, the only problem here is that it's a uh, it's an early match, and I have this. I still have this like it can't be real. I'm sure someone's like looked at the numbers here, but just I hate I hate capping in a player in the first match of a game week. So this is the this is the Saturday morning match. Right. Uh, Part part of it is it's just an emotional thing. It's just if 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 your captain doesn't perform, you're kind of stressed out the whole week. 
but that's obviously insane, right? You have to captain Harry Kane at home to Sunderland, I think. You would, yeah, you would definitely think so. I mean, it, if we're still talking about Manchester City's form, their home hosting Crystal Palace, that's another great captaincy option. Yeah, I mean, if Aguero and KDB look great uh, at home to Everton, I think that you could probably just let it ride with one of those two players. Yeah, I mean, less less enticing is Leicester away to Aston Villa, but Mares might be due for a big haul. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Villa. So this could be a really big game week, game week twenty two. Absolutely. Triple captain. Possibly. <laughs> All right. So here's here's where the Spurs spine comes in for me. I definitely want to be starting a Spurs defender, midfielder, and Harry Kane going into the Sunderland match, if at all possible. Yeah, you have to be a little annoyed that, that your boy Eric Dyer played uh, in this match against Leicester. Yeah, he was subbed out, though. So hopefully oh, that— okay. hopefully. Yeah, around the the sixty fifth minute or so. Oh, so. okay, that's not bad. Okay, good. yeah, I'm I'm less concerned. That just shows how important Eric Dyer is to this squad that he needs to be present. I can see Allardyce making this a tough match for Spurs. Uh, I don't know that this is a like four nothing shellacking. I think two uh, one or three one maybe. I mean, just based on what we saw. In that in that uh, Newcastle match um, at right. White Hart Lane a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think that there is. You know, it's almost, I don't know. I, 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 it depends on how early yeah, Spurs score. I think if yeah. Spurs get off the block really early, then Sunderland just mentally will be defeated, and then we'll see a lot more goals come in, I think. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a really tough run for Spurs. I mean, this, is, this actually is a match where they, I, I suppose they could, they could possibly rest and rotate a little bit mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're going to have to play a replay against Leicester uh, like four days after this. Uh, and then they have uh, Europa, uh, Europa League. League matches coming up still too. So yeah. it's uh, it's a yeah a lot a lot of fixtures for Spurs. And it's pretty the Europa League is such a such a joke, right? Like so <laughs> many matches, it's, it's really un, it's so unfair. Yeah. And also, I I, I, I don't like the uh, the parachute thing where all the third place teams in the Champions League go into the Europa League. Doesn't that seem uh, like it's like it's like punishment for these Europa League teams? It's like you. It is. You play all these matches, you win your league, and you're like, oh, now I get to play, like, Bayer Leverkusen or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Bournemouth versus Norwich City. Here's a game for Simon Francis, I suppose, if you like him against Big Mo. Uh, I don't – yeah, I, I, if I had a Bournemouth defender, I would, I would definitely be starting them in this match. This is a good like like I this this is like I guarantee this is a no, I'm not going to guarantee like my Chelsea guarantee okay this, this is one of those one you're of gonna those be, uh, you're going to be sending a lot of five dollar bills out to listeners of this podcast <laughs> one of those a podcast but I really feel confident this is a it's like a one nothing Bournemouth win and it's going to be some player that you have never heard of who scores right. the one which is like right. kind of how they they won all their games so far right. like early on in the season it was Callum Wilson and then they shifted to. They score one goal in their wins, and it's always a player who is like a replacement defensive midfielder or something like that. Yeah. All right, the next match here is really intriguing, and I think it's going to be the one that um, will signal where Chelsea is in their evolution this season, where they're hosting Everton. Now, Everton is not known for keeping the other team out of their goal, but you suspect if Chelsea uh, smashes Everton here, then the comeback is on. Yeah, I think um, it, this is you're right. This is a really intriguing match. It's you could see Everton winning this match. Uh, part, I, I think it's a hard one for us to to go too far down from a fantasy perspective because we just don't know if Costa and Oscar are going to be healthy yet. Right. So if they're both healthy, then I think 
you, I mean, Costa is like a possible differential captain option if he's healthy for this match. Yes. Um, because, you know, Everton just, they're, they're just giving up way too many goals. And um, I don't know. I think, um, I, I, sure, I think Costa, surely you remember yeah. what Costa did to Everton um, early last season when it was that 6 3 um, barn yeah, burner. Amazing match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had two, yeah, two goals. I had him that match, actually. It was a 13 pointer from Costa yeah. in that match. Yeah. Uh, so I think, um, yeah. I, I, so let, let's just let's just say like this one's this one's too inconclusive. We also don't know if uh, Lukaku is going to be able to play yet either. So uh, I, I'm not going to make a prediction on this one. It seems too too early to tell. All right, fair enough. Uh, Man City hosts Crystal Palace. Another pretty decent matchup for Man City at home. Um, it it becomes a little more difficult to put the armband on the likes of Aguero or, or KDB just because Crystal Palace has that really workmanlike, dogged attitude. Right. I, I don't know. I, I think you could definitely captain those two players uh, in this match. I don't know. I mean, they get goals from their defenders, but they do they do concede. I don't know. I mean, they just conceded three goals to, to Chelsea last weekend. Right. No, it, it's true. Uh, it's true. They did look like crap in that game. Oriel yeah. Romeo scored on them this weekend, Brandon. <laughs> if Oriel Romeo was scoring on you, your, your, your defense is not impenetrable. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> But what, what about Crystal Palace's chances of putting one past Man City? I mean, Man City's defense, very leaky. Uh, we all know how they are without Vincent Company. But then Crystal Palace is having trouble scoring. Uh, definitely yeah. getting attacking points from their midfield and their strike force is pretty difficult. Yeah, I, I think this is like a 3 nothing win for Man City. I, don't th- <laughs> I do not think Crystal Palace is going to score in this game. I, 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 you know, there was some rumors that, that Charlie Austin was being looked at as an option for Crystal Palace. I don't know if that was just speculation that was out there because he seems it's such a logical move for them. Yeah, uh, like yeah he's, he's, he's like, in their the, price he's like the good Connor Wickham. Yeah, exactly. And I am personally very fond of Charlie Austin. I wish he was back in the Premier League. He's a really fun player to root for. Uh, fun player to own from a fantasy perspective because he he can score on bad teams, and everybody uh-huh. loves everybody loves having a guy in their fantasy team who can <laughs> score on bad teams. Yeah, because having a player on a bad team it means they're going to score. They're going to play every game week. They're going to play like ninety minutes the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Three zero. Uh, Man City destroys Crystal Palace. Fair enough. I'll take it. Oh, uh, Newcastle West Ham is the next uh, one. Okay, uh, uh, the Dimitri the D- the Dimitri Payet comeback tour could could commence or continue here against Newcastle, um, and also former Newcastle player Andy Carroll uh, might be hungry for a goal or two here at the uh, Sports Direct Arena. Yep, I the only player so Payet is the one to look at here and. Possibly Aaron Cresswell, who is uh, slightly undervalued, I think, still. We talked about him a little bit in the last podcast, but his ownership is fairly low, and um, yeah, he's really delivering. Uh, he's delivering from a, from, a, from a defensive point of view. He's, he's picking up bonus points you know, without scoring, uh, and he has you know, a really nice goal threat. And um, I don't know. I mean, you know, so the, the run of fixtures for West Ham, if you were looking at Cresswell, they're um, very solid, I'd say, through the next like, seven game weeks. Uh, they're uh, way to Bournemouth, way to Newcastle, uh, home to Man City, which is you know the one sort of tough fixture in that run. Uh, but then uh, home to Aston Villa, away to Norwich, uh, home to Sunderland. So you know he's he's definitely an option. And five point five is not prohibitively expensive. Yeah, I mean, that run that run is truly epic. Uh, as soon as I sort out other things in my team, West Ham defense is definitely a priority. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth the extra money for him on that West Ham defense because 
he is going to start every game week, and he offers more attacking threat than I think any other West Ham defenders. I mean, um, you could save money with someone like Winston Reed, but you're just not going to get the the goals and the assists. Yeah, I mean, Winston yeah. Reed has, he hasn't actually played for five weeks, but you know, someone like uh, uh, Angelo uh, Ogbonna. And Newcastle is there's just nothing to take away from this team right now. Even guys like uh, Wijnaldum or Sissoko or uh, Perez. Not, there's been no consistency there. I don't even know if it's worth. How is it even worth talking about? No, I, <laughs> <clears throat> is it worth talking about, Josh? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think um, I think West Ham's going to win this game. I think they're going to win like two nothing. I love it when okay, so you're struggling for something to say about Newcastle, and the inevitable word that comes out of everyone's mouth is Janmat. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's the one play. You know, he's kind of affordable. Uh, he gets, you know, he, he like scores a little bit, uh, picks up some assists, but they just they just don't keep enough clean sheets. All right, jeez, uh, a couple of slog fixtures here: Southampton hosting West Brom. Um, not not terribly appetizing this matchup, but no, nope. there it is. Southampton yeah. in terrible form. West Brom in pretty bad form themselves. Uh, let's just let, let's say it's a zero zero match and then move on. <laughs> move on with their lives. <laughs> All right, now uh, Villa is hosting Leicester City in the following matchup. That's the late game on Saturday. Leicester will probably be here looking to get back to winning ways, looking back to looking to get back to dominant ways. Um, yeah, this is an interesting match. I, I think for Leicester, this is really uh, we'll we'll find out what they're going to look like the second half of the season in this match because if they uh, you know, the, the Spurs, they could lose away to Spurs at midweek, and it wouldn't necessarily be a reflection on who they are. I mean, Spurs are in really good form, and, um, you know, it's a home match for them. And uh, I, I don't think you can draw too much in this FA Cup match we just watched. You know, and in fact, the fact that they just drew it home to Leicester makes them more likely to take them really seriously yeah. uh, when they play them midweek. Uh, but if Leicester is seriously going to challenge for, if not the league, at least a Champions League spot, I think that they have to... Um, they really got to they got to just roll over Aston Villa in this match. You know they have to beat teams like this, like teams that they're just they're clearly better than, um, and uh, maybe get their confidence back up a little bit. So right. um, that said, I actually don't know that we that they'll do that. I think that after two tough matches against Spurs, I think they might actually lose this match. I mean, I or like I could see this game being like a like another nil nil draw. You know, God, or, are we predicting that Aston Villa could get six points in the next two game weeks? I mean, there's no, there's no like, there's no rational reason to pick that. It just seems like, given the like the laws of sports, that that every bad team eventually has their day. You know, right. you think that eventually, and I, I just think Leicester, they must be exhausted, right? I mean, they're just playing, yeah, yeah just playing the really this. I mean, I know they go about what do they go like fourteen deep or so. I mean, they have a few bench options that that yeah. they can roll up, but uh, in general, it's it's really the Andy same. King. Where are you? Yeah, exactly. So I think um, I'm going to predict a 1-1 draw in this match. Okay, uh, okay. I'll, I'll see both teams scoring a goal. Okay. And uh, Riyad what, you, what, what, is your, what is your prediction for this well, match? Well, I, I see Mahrez doing his thing in this game, possibly. I would say 2-1. I would say uh, uh, Leicester win handily but concede one late goal. Uh, that, that, that also seems plausible. I mean, I, I hope that happens. I'm pulling for Leicester this season. Well, who isn't? Who isn't? <laughs> All right, Liverpool going to host uh, Manchester United here, and uh, fascinating remember, game. Uh, do you remember Christian Benteke's insane like bicycle kick goal uh, when these guys faced off earlier this season? 
Yeah, I, um, I almost forgot about it, but yes, I do. Oh, robbed me of a David De Gea clean sheet. It was <laughs> it was really aggravating, but one of the goals of the season, without yeah. a doubt, which which we all may have forgotten about because there's been so many good goals. So, if you had a Man United defender, would you start them in this match? Like, I have Chris Smalling, and I it's a it's a tough call whether I want to start him in this match. Yeah, I will definitely be starting David De Gea only because my other goalkeeper is Wayne Hennessy, yeah. and away at Man City is a non-starter. So, yeah, sure. I don't have I don't have much of a choice. Yeah, but I mean, like, would you? I, I, wouldn't, start, I wouldn't be yeah. happy about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I because you know I have Russell Martin on my bench, and maybe you could possibly start him uh, away to Bournemouth, and that's probably a more attractive match than Man United Liverpool. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, it's I, a tough call. It's another yeah, one where I would gravitate toward the more expensive player irrationally, I suppose. Yeah, and I think Liverpool will be up for this game. Um, I'm actually going to pick a Liverpool win. I think Liverpool is going to win this game. Uh, that Man U team is just they are like desperately in need of a new manager or or an infusion of energy you know they need yeah. like they need they, they need like the kind of energy that Angel de, de Maria brought for like four matches last year when he first joined the team uh-huh. you know they, they just need like a talented kind of playmaker to come along and, and just right. revitalize all of their you know their revitalize their attack and all of their other attacking players uh but without that I think I think it's a 2-1 Liverpool win uh Stoke uh Arsenal is the next match on Sunday the final match on Sunday uh, uh okay so how do you predict this one Arsenal they they never respond well to tough conditions and if it's bad weather at the Britannia on this particular day then um it could be tough for the Gunners right Yeah I think Stoke's going to win this match uh I think I I, I just because they've done it already a couple times this year, I think this could be like a, a 2 nothing Stoke match, Stoke win. And I'm really looking at Arnatovich now as an option for, for the next two game weeks. Uh, so I what just, was what was yeah. the whole deal with the, the contract dispute? The, like Stoke just decided to offer Arnatovich a contract extension and then he turned it down and it was some sort of gamesmanship happening there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much it, right? I mean, I... I mean, let's face it. Like, let's. I mean, you, like we were kind of critical about Arnautovic on our Twitter feed uh, because he's been so inconsistent for this team. And it, like, naturally, the first time he gets a contract offer, he's like, "No, I think, um, I think I'll wait till like a better club comes along." Basically, <laughs> uh, but you can't totally blame him. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like Stoke has historically been a top spot, and if he feels like he can. And I like the Stoke team this year, and I like what they're building. And yeah, you know, so is that a problem? They're like building a team full of these big name players, guys like Shakiri, these very continental players. Yeah, and if if Arnatovich's reaction is any indication, Stoke has to be afraid of becoming just like a selling club. Yeah, I mean it's a noble experiment to do this, but yeah, it can really. And maybe that's okay. I mean, maybe maybe they're okay with with banking a lot of money, you know. And like that's part of it's sort of the the Newcastle method, you know, of like right. bringing in young French talent, you know, sort of, and then and then selling them on to the highest bidder. Um, but I think, yeah, I think um, that's why this that's why this move is always so risky, is because you have all these players who are basically going to look for the exit ramp as soon as as soon as they can. Yeah, so I I don't think it'll affect Arnatovich that much. I mean, I I don't really understand what they're. I mean, so like the news right now, they're saying that Arnatovich is demanding a contract in excess of 100k a week uh, for a new contract. Now that seems like a lot, but this given that he's arguably the most important player on that team, given how much money there is in the Premier League right now, I don't know why why they wouldn't just give that to him. I mean, it seems like. 
if, if he's your best player uh, from an attacking point of view, which he probably is, yeah. I think you just have to like move heaven and earth to keep him. A little bit like Raheem Sterling at Liverpool. Like that guy became the only positive thing that was going at Liverpool. Yeah. And they decided let's sell him and hang everything on um, a guy without any character, Jordan Henderson. We're gonna. They're just <laughs> gonna think, sell a lot of Jordan Henderson jerseys. You don't like Jordan Henderson? Well, I I, I don't mean that he had he lacks like uh, moral fortitude when I say he lacks character, but he's just sort of like a a boring yeoman like player. I mean, I don't dislike yeah, I don't him, know. but yeah, I don't know. He's I, not I, a star. I, yeah, maybe he's been injured a lot this year, so it's it's hard to say. I still think. I don't think we've seen the best of Jordan Henderson this year. I think my he, point, he my point like though, better. my point though, is that they were they did not make a, it a priority to keep Raheem Sterling in that club. They were happy to just take the money and let the fallout within the club happen. Yeah, that's true. Although I think he was really, um, I think he really wanted to move. I think he was really adamant about going to. Uh, I don't know how much of that's Brendan Rodgers' fault. I mean, I, I, you wonder if, if Jurgen Klopp had been there in the offseason, if he could have convinced him to stay. I think he probably could have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, God, like, wouldn't a player like Sterling thrive in a, in a Jurgen Klopp system? Yeah. It seems really conducive to his talents. And now he's on Man City. He's playing, like, 45 minutes at a time. He's not playing certain game weeks. I mean, he can't be thrilled with how, how, it's, how his season's gone so far. I have no idea. Who knows? Who knows? The mind of a Sterling. <laughs> the mind of a 20-year-old. It's hard, <laughs> hard to predict. All right. I, I, I think you're right. It's going to be a tough match for Arsenal. But I'm actually going to flip the scoreline for you and say it's a 2-1 Arsenal victory here. 2-1 Arsenal victory. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right. And it uh, brings us to the final match, uh, the Martin Luther King Day fixture we've all, we all been clamoring for. Swansea hosting Watford. All right, so I mean, let's let's revisit that question about doubling up on a Gallo and Dini. I mean, here's a struggling Swansea team, even though they've kept a, a handful of clean sheets recently. But you really have to like Watford in this match. I, I like them quite a bit going against Swansea. Yeah, I, I like them in this match too. But as we said earlier, I mean, Swansea is like they're they're clearly dedicated to not letting anyone score on them again. Like I think they would they would be happy to take 18 straight nil nil draws and, yeah. and stay up this year. But there's that Kool-Aid man uh, nature about Igalo where he'll just take the ball and burst through a brick wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if that sort of um, mentality on Swansea's part is going to help them at all against Watford. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because what I said about Leicester and uh, Aston Villa kind of applies to Watford, too, um, just to a slightly lesser extent. You know, Watford has been, you know, if, if Leicester didn't exist, then Watford would be the kind of, Everyone's favorite, everyone's favorite second team this year, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and maybe they are regardless of what Leicester is doing because they're the Agallo Dini thing has been so fun to watch. But, you know, they've, they've lost a couple matches in a row and this is a, a game they really should be winning and they should be winning it pretty, pretty handily, I think. Uh, so I think we're really going to learn something about Watford, depending on how, you know, based on how they play in this game. Um, you know, if, if, if it looks like they've got the, the strength to last throughout the rest of the season, and this is like a two two nothing win. If it looks like they're starting to fade, then this is probably like a like a one nothing loss or something like that, you know, or a nil nil draw maybe. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's still a lot to unpack going into these uh, two pretty interesting game weeks. So feel free to reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Hell Cheaters on Twitter and find us on Facebook uh, at slash always cheating. All those contact details are on our website, alwayscheating.com. And hey, I'll see you in, in section 20 in 233B, Josh. <laughs> All right, Brendan, I'll see you there.
<laughs> Hail Poku. Hail Poku. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.